hello, Empowered People, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Empowered Women Rises podcast. My name is Preeti, and I'm so glad you're here. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about the benefits of living alone, of living outside your family's house and by yourself. The reason I'm doing this episode today is because on Instagram recently, I shared the importance of creating your own rules and how living alone can really help you form those rules. Someone, a South Asian woman, asked me how I convinced my parents to let me move out. And I responded with, actually, I didn't. And I did it anyway. Laura and Rachel, who you know from my other episodes, <laughs> asked if I would record a podcast episode about it. And I thought, you know what? Let's do it. Because I want to share this story because I know what I went through isn't just something I dealt with. I know it's a very common scenario, especially in a lot of South Asian households. And I thought, what a wonderful way to start season two. So let me set the stage. Indian families are usually joint families. And what that means is everybody lives together. And as kids get older and married, their spouses come and live with them. Really, the only person ever leaving the house is the girl who's going to get married and then go live with her husband's family. Because of my dad's job, we were actually a nuclear family. So it was just my mom, dad, myself, and my brother. And I think that was really hard for my mom who grew up in a joint family. But you know, my dad's job was such that we needed to travel every three years. So as part of that travel, my dad's job brought us to the United States in the early 2000s. And when you travel a lot like that, you know, you are used to changing schools, starting over, you get used to adopting the culture of the country you're in very quickly. And like every time, like clockwork, the code switching and the assimilation process sets in very quickly. And it did this time too. So I was learning about the American culture, the language, how to dress up, do my hair. You know, all of us have this innate desire to belong. And it's amazing how our minds will help us change ourselves so that we don't stick out like a sore thumb. And that's what was happening to me. And that's what I was doing. That's what my brother was doing. That's what my parents were doing. Things were different this time, though. I realized how much I loved the American schooling system. So growing up, I had you know grown up in the Indian schooling system. And wherever we went, there was some form of Indian schooling system. The American schooling system was so different. And you know, I just knew that I wanted to also do my bachelor's and master's here. So when we came to the States, I was a junior in high school. And that taste <laughs> of living here, of studying here was enough to tell me that I wanted to for, you know, pursue my, my higher studies here. I'll give you an example of the reason I liked studying here. So in India, and, and this might have changed, right? But in the Indian schooling system, there's a lot of memorization of things, a lot of theory, and not a lot of practical hands-on things. So for example, our chemistry labs were the teacher doing the experiment. And us memorizing the formulas and, you know, looking at some test tubes and beakers. And that was the extent of us being hands-on, quote unquote. Well, in America, you know, we were actually in the chemistry labs. We got our lab coats and, you know, wore goggles. And we saw what happened when you mix one thing with the other. <laughs> you, you learned how to do things versus just learning the theory part of how to do things. And 
talking to the teachers, talking to the people, the freedom and thought that was here was something that I didn't even know I wanted. But once I had a taste of it, I was just like, oh my gosh, give me more. Something else was happening though. You know, as a woman who grew up in an Indian household where it was a lot of command and control. So you obeyed, you listened, you never really asked questions. And if you did, you got into trouble. I was starting to freely think. I was starting to push back a lot and explore new ideas. And frankly, my parents had a really hard time with that. My extended family had a really hard time with that. The friends I had made who were, you know, Indian, grew up in traditional Indian households who still held on to those beliefs had a hard time with that. And as a result, I had a hard time with it. And please know that, you know, I don't blame my parents. They did the best with the environment they grew up in and how they were raised. They were better than their parents. My mom had to, you know, she had to cook growing up and she didn't ask me to cook a single day in my life because she wanted me to focus on my studies. And, you know, there's a story behind that for another time, but there were expectations of me as a woman and guidelines around what I could or couldn't do. And had I not traveled growing up, had I not come to America, I probably would never have been able to think that way. I still had an open mindset because I had lived in other countries, but you know, you're a product of your environment. So the more you're surrounded by the same kinds of things, the more you're going to do them. Luckily, the more I wanted to do things were the American way of thinking, which is very free. At least it was back in the early 2000s. And now everyone's divided. And while, while there is free speech and free thought, it's starting to come out and be at the expense of others. And it's not something I'm comfortable with. You know, I still believe in free thought and free speech, but I truly believe in living in harmony still. Anyway, topic for another time. But going back to my story, so I'm starting to change the way I look, the way I talk, the way I think. And it's not that I'm intentionally doing it. It's that it's starting to happen slowly. And I'm realizing that's what's happening. I'm realizing the freedoms I have as a woman here, the freedom to be able to drive at night, the freedom to be able to pursue different kinds of studies of options I had here that I wouldn't have back home. When I thought about why I wouldn't have them, a lot of it started to be because that would be the environment I'd be in. And my parents would be under a lot of pressure to raise me a certain way. And this concept of harmony would actually come at my expense. So when given the option, I chose to stay here and pursue a different line of studying versus the route I actually wanted to go down. But that was okay to me. It was better for me to pursue a different major and different course in life than I thought I would go down and keep the freedom I had in America as a woman. Now, my parents wanted me to be successful in America. So they did everything in their ability to help me. You know, they moved to areas with good schools. They worked really, really hard to make sure we had everything we needed. They also made sure we went to our temple, the Gurdwara, and watched Bollywood movies and spoke our language. They did everything to maintain ties to our cultural roots. You may be wondering why I'm sharing all of this. I, I share all of this to bring you to this point. Immigrants, while working to create a life for themselves and their children in a country, 
also deal with a lot of cultural baggage. We want to belong so that we can be successful, yet we want to maintain our cultural identity. The parents have this added pressure of answering to the society back home. What will they say? What will people say? You know, they'll say we we didn't we couldn't control our kids. They'll say, oh, you know, you you let your kids go. They don't listen to you. Parents have the sense of accountability because they have strong ties back home and want to be able to go back home and essentially, quote unquote, show their face still. And they want to be able to say they raised their kids the right way, the right way being the way that their original society expects. Let's think about this from the child's viewpoint for a second, though. There's this creation of almost like a split identity that starts to happen. There's this you know, internal tug of war between the different cultural identities. So within me, it was this American identity and this Indian identity. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a place where I wasn't American enough for the Americans and I wasn't Indian enough for the Indians. Luckily, I was in a diverse enough group at my schools where I didn't feel the first one as much, but oh my goodness. My family and extended family would say things like, don't forget where you're from and you've changed and remember to take care of your parents. And the last one, oof, the last one particularly stung because as an Indian woman, taking care of your family is like pillar number one. You know, that's, that's what you're almost born to do. And even though people don't want girls in India, if you looked up female infanticide raids, you would find staggeringly high numbers, really, really sad and disheartening. My mom told me that when I was born, my grandma was sad I was a boy. Anyway, even though people don't want girls, the responsibility of being responsible falls on the girl. No one was saying these things like, don't forget where you're from. You know, you've changed. No one was saying these to my brother. And honestly, they were reminding me to remain quote unquote Indian, but it had the opposite effect on me. I didn't want to maintain a tie with my Indian roots, you know, because I felt I felt oppressed. I, you know, I, I felt like a bird and trapped in a cage. It was sad for me to hear those things because the people who were saying these things weren't living here. They didn't know what my life was about, but they had no issue passing judgment. And by the way, the same people would die for a pair of American Levi's jeans. They would, you know, do anything to buy the shoes here and be here and eat here. And I was here and I was living that life. And all of a sudden it was, don't forget where you're from. You know, a lot of people have told me that it's envy. And I believe that. I think a lot of it's jealousy too. But honestly, a part of it is just how traditional thinking Indians are. This is what they do. And this is not something that you will, you know, not be able to find openly. If you watch Bollywood movies, you'll see a lot of this in there. The modern way of thinking is changing, luckily, but there's still a lot that holds women back. And I have a hard time accepting that. And, you know, I still am trying to reconcile that Indian identity within me. And really, this is why I wanted to live alone. I mentioned feeling like a bird trapped in a cage. And that feeling was growing more and more because, you know, I was starting to date a white guy. And after, you know, being here for a little bit and having to deal with all these pressures from back home, me dating a white guy was just another thing. And my family was so against it, but I wanted, but I, you know, I, I loved this guy. <laughs> this guy is by the way, now my husband, 
and there were a lot of curfews and I couldn't hang out with him. And at one point, you know, so like my parents eventually came around and were like, fine, if you're going to date him, but then you got to be home by this time and you can only go out this time. And I need to know X and Y and Z. And just, that's just no way to explore a relationship. And there were, there were a lot of things that happened that made me want to live alone. For one, I wanted to have control over my money. I wanted to be able to make decisions on my own. I was in this relationship that was pretty serious and I just didn't have the freedom to explore it. More importantly, I didn't know who I was. I was just starting to feel more and more just sad. And I I loved my boyfriend and I loved my family and somehow I had to reconcile both of those things. And the only way I could do that was by moving out. It took so much courage to broach the subject with my parents so much. And so everything I've told you up until this point will give you an idea of how difficult it was for my parents to even hear that question. Because again, they, you know, both of them grew up in joint families and they were a nuclear family because of my dad's job. And now here I'm looking to move out again and make the family smaller. They didn't understand why I wanted to live alone. You know, it was like, oh, you're becoming more and more American. But at this point, I'd been in America for a good, let's see, 10 years, 11 years. Of course, I want to live alone. You know, for for all intents and purposes, I am a lot more American at this point than I am Indian because I have lived so much of my, you know, teenage and adult life here. And I think in these terms, I think in the quote unquote, American ways more than I think in Indian ways. And I'm sure you're hearing the struggle in my voice right now too, because I I continue to struggle with it. Anyway, so I decided to move out. My parents had a really hard time accepting that. My aunts and uncles, whenever I talked to them, there was a ton of just mockery in their tone. With each event though, my resolve to not ever be like that for myself and for my future children strengthened. There were a lot of tears, a lot of guilt. My parents had done so much for me, right? And here I was saying, I didn't want to live with them. It honestly wasn't that. It just, it was a, it's not you, it's me situation. Like I really just needed to find out who I was or I'd be lost forever. And I didn't want to lose myself. So I kept on insisting I moved out. You know, I wish all of this had gone better though, because I didn't have a lot of support. If I had a question about how to do something, I couldn't reach out to my family because I felt like there would be this sense of, well, you did this. Now you figure it out. You know, in my friend circle, I had set an example of moving out and they had wanted to now do the same. And so other parents were now starting to hate me. It was just great. I mean, yeah, it it was not a fun time in my life. And my family rolled their eyes whenever I talked about how beneficial it really was to be able to live on your own. And This is what I would tell the people who are looking to move out. And this is what I tell you today. What are the benefits of living alone? And some of them are more obvious, right? Like you learn to be resourceful. You learn how to budget. Nothing teaches you to care about money, like paying for things on your own. Rent, food, maintenance, car insurance, gas, clothing, hobbies, going out with people. Things are expensive. And you have to figure out how to do that all in the income you're earning. You have to figure out what you're going to cook in a day, how you're going to eat, what are you going to do to maintain your health, 
all of that falls on you. You know, you have to, and you actually get to make decisions on your own. And then you live with the consequences of those decisions. You can't blame anyone else, right? It's your house, your rules. You get to decide where things go, who comes into your place, what comes into your place. Don't feel like cleaning the dishes. Don't feel like doing laundry. Cool. No one's going to scold you. But also no one's going to do it either. <laughs> like, there's a lot you have to do on your own, you know, and, and that's one of the key things that you learn when you live alone is how to be alone, how to be alone with your thoughts, how to be alone by yourself. And what are you going to do in that time? How do you find happiness by just being with yourself? This one took me a while, you know, and I mentioned in South Asian families, you, you know, you don't live alone, right? You grow up doing everything with everyone. There really is nothing you do alone. Like even going to the grocery store, you're most likely going with your mom, dad, brother, whoever. You don't do a lot alone. And honestly, the whole village and their aunts know about your life, your salary, just a lot of personal details. What that meant though, is that I was used to always having somebody with me no matter what I did, right? And so as I moved away from the circle, the people I was with, when they said no to doing those things with me, Oof, that hit like a ton of bricks. I realized that I needed to be able to do things on my own. And I realized how much I sucked at just being by myself. But a part of that realization was that I wasn't happy just by myself. My happiness came from somebody else. And that is a hard learning. And, you know, it took a few people saying no to me for me to just say, oh my God, I need to do things on my own. I need to be able to go for a drive on my own. I need to be able to go sit in nature by myself. And you'd be able to go buy coffee and just do things on my own, go shopping on my own. And it's okay. It took me forever to realize that being able to sit in silence and think or read or do whatever is such a gift. And honestly, as a mom right now, that like moment of silence I have where I can just sit down and have a cup of coffee is so precious. I mean, like really, (laughs) but there's so much I discovered. Honestly, I discovered one of my favorite shows living alone. This was Sherlock on BBC. And I I had read Sherlock growing up. I mean, it's one of my favorite books and series in the world. And I had no idea about the show because I watched what my parents watched. You know, I watched what other people watched. I, I read books that I wanted to read. I, you know, celebrated milestones alone. I, I worked hard. I finished my master's. I set up my own house. I bought furniture. <laughs> it sucked, but I bought furniture on my own. I asked questions of strangers on the internet of what to buy, what to look for, because I was afraid to ask those questions for my family. But I did it. I did it on my own, right? Like that's what I talk about being resourceful is you find out things on your own because there's nobody there to just answer your questions. But something else was also happening. I was starting to respect my time and my space. I learned how to hold firm boundaries because if I was in a disrespectful situation, I could just go back to my own space. I talked about this concept of living in harmony earlier. And what would happen is, and this is also a really cultural thing, that you just took whatever the other person you know, put on you. You took abuse, you tolerated it because, well, you didn't want to stir the waters and you were going to live in the same space and that's hard to do. Now I could leave and come back, which was really important as the pressure 
on my parents increased from the external society about me not being engaged. And then through them on me about not being engaged yet and just being in a constant fight with them. But at the end of the day, I was coming back to my own place. And so, you know, it it was easier to be a part of those things. On a lighter note, I felt like an adult. I felt free. You know, that adult you want to be like when you're growing up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to move out and do things on my own. I was living that. My girlfriends came up and we'd pack up and go travel and my boyfriend would come stay the weekend and we'd cook and go around the city and just be us and, you know, without worrying about me returning home at a certain time, right? I talked about that curfew or without worrying about like what I was wearing or what I was doing. I was doing things on my own and oh my God, I loved it. Eventually my parents came around and, you know, our relationship improved around this. I visited home every couple of weekends and I came back home with a ton of food that my mom made for me because she missed me. She also started appreciating me being able to live on my own. You know, when I say appreciating, like she didn't really tell me that outright. Like that's not, that's just not what Indian parents do. It's more of a good job, not screwing that up kind of praise. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I remember there's a time when my cousin was visiting and she's 23 at this point and her mom had packed clothes for her. Yeah. You know, she's 23 and her mom's packing her clothes. Well, her mom forgot to pack a belt and my cousin threw a fit and my mom just couldn't understand what was happening because she had never dealt with that with me. So now she's talking to my cousin about, you know, like pretty, like she packs her own clothes, you know, you should start to doing that. Like she does this and that. So she's like giving my example to my cousin. (laughs) It was a really proud moment for me. This is how Indian parents express love. And honestly, like I'll take anything. So To date, there are things my family still doesn't appreciate about me, my American identity, or how I live my life. You know, I try to instill the good elements of the Indian culture in my kids. And I will actually do a separate episode with my best friend. Guess what? She's Indian. She grew up here. So we think alike. And we, you know, we just talk about the challenges being an Indian woman. So that's an episode that's coming up, but I still get those underhanded comments about how I'm not Indian enough or doing Indian enough things with my kids, but I know my parents respect me a little more. And for now, that's okay. What's important is that I'm a better person for having moved out. I can be by myself. My happiness comes from me and my kids and my family, right? But I can be by myself. I can be with my own thoughts. When you rely on others for happiness, there's a lot of room for abuse, maybe not intentionally. The people can take advantage of you. Being able to be by yourself will set you free in so many ways. I now set up my family, my life on my own terms with my own identity. I could respect my parents and where they were coming from. And I could also respect myself and take care of my family first. If you've lived alone, I'd love to hear your story. I hope you didn't (laughs) deal with the things I dealt with. And I hope when you lived alone, that you loved it. I wish everyone gets a chance to live alone and figure out who they are, what their life is about, what they will stand for, what they will accept. I hope everyone has a chance to explore that freedom. I hope everyone gets a chance to learn how to be happy with just themselves. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. Please subscribe and follow on YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Join me in the conversation on Instagram. My handle is The Empowered Woman Rises, or send me a note through TheEmpoweredWomanRises.com. I'm so grateful for you all. This is going to be a great season. Until next time, take care.